Hi, welcome to It Bears Repeating, and it does, another RuPaul's Drag Race recap show. As you can already tell, I am guest hostless. Tiffany couldn't be here today, and I'm very upset about it because she really wanted to be here for this one. But I do have a guest with me on the podcast today. We met our friend, do you want me to say your last name? I can edit this part out. No, you can totally say my last okay. name. Our good Judy, Andrea Baldwin, we met on the Snap Honeys group that we talked about on our one episode. So that's how Tiffany and I met. Andrea, she resides, you still reside in Texas, right? Yes, I'm in Houston. Okay, because you're like always all over the place. Anyway, this is Andrea. You just heard her <laughs> voice. She's here. We're going to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race, obviously. And then we're going to talk about like racism and problematic people within this community. And then we're going to talk about how we can be better as a society overall, because um, we all can be better. So Andrea, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. I really, really am. And I'm such a, whatever, I feel like a longtime listener, big time fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really just happy to be here. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing good. I had my first week of work, so it's like nice to like, it's actually a Saturday for me. It doesn't feel yeah. like, because I got laid off in November. I still think it's November and it should be like cold yeah. outside, but it's very hot. <laughs> so I'm a little <laughs> bit confused about my body's like not adjusting very well, but I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, like I started on a pay week, so I don't get paid for th- like two more weeks. Oh. So I'm kind of have to like drag my dollars out <laughs> to make it. Oh, I- are you making a list of things you're going to buy for your first paycheck? I have to pay bills, like all, like just because, and I called them all, listen, this is like not a problem problem, <laughs> but like I called all of my like my credit cards and all the people I owe money to, and I was just like, hey, I don't know when I'm gonna get paid. I just wanna let you know this will be late. And basically all of them were like, you can pay up to 10 days late, it's fine. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I was like, you're not gonna hit me with like a late fee because I literally what? told you. I yeah. told you that this was the case. Anyway, they probably will, and I will fight it because I was like, I tried to tell you. Anyway. Well, and like, it, whatever, I feel like, because I was a graduate student for a long time, and so I know every tip of like being extra broke. Like, every time they pull that, you can be like, uh, I know you, I know you have a log yeah. of what all glass. So why don't you check that? And I'm just doing what y'all told me to do. No, but seriously, you should treat yourself at least one small thing because I... you deserve it just bought a bunch of clothes so like I bought for like for work but I bought cute things too so it was a it was a good way to like start out you know the work the new work vibes yeah also I bought a bunch of tank tops my brother's like you can't wear tank tops to work but I thought well if I wear a shrug over it because of air conditioning when I leave I take it off it's hot out so I'm like good to go it's like multifunctional (laughs) I layered all the time like I wear halter tops tank tops as long as I have a blazer over it it's fine yeah yeah where's where are your tank tops I finally got a cape sleeve blazer and it's like the thing that I've been dreaming about the most I finally got one I feel like finally at home I can finally be the goddess that I wanted to be for so long Uh, Okay, so who are you, Andrea? Tell the people who you are. Let them know. Yeah, um, my name is Andrea Baldwin, and I am a professor or lecturer um, at the University of Houston Clear Lake, and I uh, teach public speaking, media writing, and storytelling. Um, I'm an all-around bad bitch. And I I live in Houston. And if you've never been to Houston, Houston's the fucking shit. It's so great. Um, It's um, we went through some things with Harvey last year, but it's extra human, but it's super diverse and it's really fun. Um, I am a long time drag race, like from season one. 
uh, drag race like person. And so like I watched every one of them in real time. Like I've, I've been here from the jump. Um, I found it on accident when I was in graduate school and like was like, you know, you're flipping through channels and I was like, <laughs> Oh, I know RuPaul. Oh, is this a competition? Oh, let me be in on this. And like, you know, cause RuPaul's drag race always comes in the spring. Yeah. Um, and so like, and that's always, I can see, I, I've been saying this since season one, that is the true sign of spring for me. It's not like flowers growing or like rain coming because, you know, we've messed up the earth. And so like the re- weather will be, <laughs> right, whatever, it? It, will, it will give us the weather we deserve in the spring. Uh, but like my sign of spring is like the meet the Queens whenever it comes out. That's when, when it usually comes out. And I'm like, all right, school year's almost over. Weather's going to start getting warmer because here they are. So whenever um, All Stars started in January, did that fuck you up? <laughs> big time. Big time. It's like, I'm like all through, from January to like right now, I was like, is it spring? Is it, <laughs> so it's, is it Easter? Today's Easter. No, it's February. Okay. Uh, no, it was a big struggle for me. And I feel like all of y'all, like I, we've been, we've been doing drag race all this year. I don't know a life with this. I don't know a life without drag race this year. Uh, like that's so, so intense. No, none of us do. <laughs> It was like, yeah, go, no, you got, (laughs) no, it's just so much fatigue. Like, and when we were messaging about you coming on the show, you were like, I understand completely you having like keeping up with all the people on social media. I was like, yeah, it's just like, and it like the social media brings so much extra into the show because what we're watching happened like nine months ago and what they're doing is happening today. So it like affects what you're watching. Like, so it's like, you, how do you talk about it without throwing your opinions on what's happening outside of the show right now? Like it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's impossible. Well, it's hard to, like I, I kind of calculated how long it takes me to like be focused on Drag Race and it's a two day effort. Like at least full two days, cause I, you know, you watch the sh- I have Apple, so I don't watch the show till Friday morning, but like okay. Thursday night I'm on Twitter cause I can get the updates or I'm on uh, the feed. Um, and then I watch the show and then I look up other stuff and then I get to go on Instagram and I see what they're doing currently. And then I see like all these other think pieces that come, we get saturated by so much information. And I think, you know, kind of segueing into some of the things we're going to talk about, right? Like yeah. we put a lot more than we expect. We get surprised whenever I, I just, I, cause I stepped back and I was like, Oh my gosh, I put so much time into <laughs> these drag queens, but it's because we, we, we want our heroes and we believe when we see these people, when we see these performers like do work and we see relatability and like this beautiful fantasy, we really truly invest in things that we believe in. Right. right. Um, and in earlier seasons like that's it could be totally fun because drag, that's who drag queens are. They're these characterized people who do um, amazing shows and do amazing things with their body and makeup and hair and clothes. And that is a wonderful aesthetic experience. But we live in a world now where all of the things that are happening on an everyday level are now starting to seep into all of our like special fun things. And, you know, I think that's starting to come like the season because we're I mean, yes, it's exhausting because we went two seasons in a row. But like this particular season 10 was a turning point season because For of sure. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that that's something to be mindful here. And it's tricky space. Like I've been thinking about I've been listening to you and Tiffany mm-hmm. all season long. And it's been let me tell you, it's wh- what I needed was I need a y'all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just here by myself, white knuckling a chair, like just screaming. Um, I needed someone to talk to, or at least someone who will be talking around me. Yeah. So you guys are such a, a blessing. I'm just going to give y'all kudos. Oh, thank right you. Now. Like we, the having, trying to have that conversation where like this thing that we really love that is supposed to be kind of our escapism versus our, this thing that is now very 
politicized and very personal to us, like comes head to head. It's it's hard. It's tricky space. It really is. Before we jump into all the heavy stuff, yeah. let's start with some light stuff. So, who, yes. okay, who is your favorite drag race queen? Um, oh gosh, it's like picking between my favorite children. How dare you, Rosemary? Choice me. Um, my probably my favorite queen. This I'm gonna go with this season and then all time. Okay, this season, um, Asia O'Hara and yeah. Monet Exchange, uh, hands down. Yes, yes, like yes. I really love Monet Exchange because I love her energy, um, and I just love how she kind of owns stuff, even whenever it's a, a mess. Right? There's something beautiful about that. Yeah. Um, and I am as a native Texan. Um, <laughs> I'm, I was always going, it didn't matter if Asia was going to be awful or amazing. She was amazing. Um, I was going to be down for her anyway. But like she had, still has all the things I want out of a drag queen. And she's hilarious. And she's really great. She had one of the best lines um, in season 10 for me where she was talking about how like she realized that the community was for her when, um, and it was during a, mi- a mirror moment when she, and the line was, what did she say? Oh, oh goodness. She was like, um, they all like all of her drag queen friends like mm-hmm. chased out an ex boyfriend. I don't know if you're, yeah, you remember, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, I, she's like, these men in wigs really do care about me. <laughs> um, I was like, yes, I like just her cadence is so beautiful and infectious. Yeah, um, it's, she's probably my favorite, but all time hands down favorite. Um, and I'm you can, y'all can fight me on it later. Is Juju B season two and All Stars one? Um, and right and look, everybody sleep, but let me wake everybody <laughs> I'm, up. I'm all listening. Time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like I, she, I don't think she got enough credit in the earlier seasons, like she should have in the current seasons. But like, she also is the owner of one of my favorite. She's genuine and funny, um, and really kind of owns her ethnicity and can can poke fun of it in really really smart ways. But my hands down favorite moment of all the drag races is season two. Y'all go Google it. Um, like Juju B re challenge. Um, because it is the oh, most yes it's so good um I think about it when I'm running I think <laughs> about it when I lay in bed at times I think about it when I'm weak because like if you watch that like the she's so tiny um but like her the energy in her body she starts like shaking her shoulders yes. before she come up and read people um and I was like this this is someone I want to like desperately want to be and this is someone who like through and through couldn't be anybody else but who they are, right? And so, yeah. like, I she I stand for her. I mean, there are many others that I love very much, but like, hands down, Juju B, yeah. always. I'm like me. asking you questions. I don't have answers to myself, so like, it's totally fine. I've been thinking. I just like I said, I've just been sitting in my couch, white knuckling and screaming alone. <laughs> so it's great to have somebody to talk to. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so what is your is season two your favorite season of Drag Race then? Because Juju B's on it, or do you have another favorite season? I, it's not, she's not enough to like make that my favorite season. My hands favorite season is season six with like, oh, um, such a good season. It was. And I felt like that was like the turn of like, you know, not that every drag queen was not, it's not a superstar. They really are. But like, there's something about that particular season that like really turned a corner of like, here's what we could really do. Right. Yeah. Um, and let's, if I'm really honest about all of this, like Bianca Del Rio has set the standard. Sure. Of what you really do in terms of superstardom, but like then you get like Courtney Act, um, who is this super fish, uh, but with this beautiful accent and this great energy, and then you get adore fucking Delano, um, who just hurt, right and just in 
boy drag, girl drag, I don't care. Like the most, one of the most beautiful people on earth, um, inside and out. Um, but I really felt like the energy of that was like such, I still go back every now and then and watch that particular season because it's so great. So yeah, yeah. season six, I feel like has almost all of the strongest personalities. You have Laganja in there. You have Bendela Krem who was slaying all stars three. You have Miss Boom Boom Gia Gunn, like all of these people that are so iconic in like the legend of what RuPaul's Drag yeah. Races are in that season. Yeah, they're like rare, like not a single dud. Like they were just so great. So that was my favorite season, hands down. Uh, so we already answered that Asia's your favorite this season. So do you have a top lip sync or a top couple lip syncs that you like remember and love and go back to? Yes. Um, the my One of my favorites is Chi Chi Devane versus Thorgy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was when they had the like black, it was like the black and white. And like, I'm telling you, I'm not going. Yeah. My gosh, uh, right? Like, my criteria for like a good lip, lip sync is you have to murder a song for me. And what I mean by murder a song is that like I can't hear it anymore without seeing RuPaul's Drag Race in it, right? right. Um, and Chi Chi did that for me. Like I love, I grew up listening to Dream Girls and loving Dream Girls, but there's a part of me that hears Jennifer Hudspin, but goes to her ripping her like pearls out, right? Yeah. Um, like that is a great one. Uh, Dita Ritz and the Princess. I think of it was course. like season four, season five, or whatever. But they did like Natalie Cole. Like this will be an yes. everlasting love. And Dita Ritz like put her foot in those lyrics. And I don't. I think that's like kind of a cheesy, mediocre ass song, right? It's on like Match.com or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like it's so like 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 elevator music and so like I was like meh. But now every time I hear her, I see her with that short ass bob shaking the shit out of her head. Yes. Uh, like I, it comes back to that. And the shoulders. And I, like, oh yes. my gosh, yes. Like oh, and her shimmying all the way across and like pointing yes. directly to the person who sang the song. And then they oh, pulled out the white like, kerchiefs for them. It was yeah. like, it was so good. Oh, it was so good. Like you can't, I can't, like I get goosebumps right now thinking about it. Like again, can't hear the song again. Um, and I can't mention, like hands again, you murder a song, I can't not listen to it anymore. Sasha Velour um, and oh, Whitney yeah. Houston. Like, I played, there was, after the reunion last year, there was no other music for me but Whitney Houston. Um, and I get so emotional. Like, I listened to that song for an, a month straight. But here's my, I'm a jab a little bit okay. with this, right? Like, she had this incredible, like, we, we will never forget the rest of our life. The rose is coming out of the wig and the rose is coming out of everywhere yeah. um, in such distinct ways. And then, we get to season 10 and everybody's doing a reveal, right? Oh and my I'm, God. You know, and that's my concern is that I love a good reveal and I love what Sasha did, but I'm so concerned for like the years to come. Is that, is that what we're all going to do is we're going to be gimmicky? No. Um, what I think is going to happen is someone's going to pull like Adita and just do a song like straight and we're all going to be like, that was so incredible. Why didn't we think yeah. about doing that? But yeah, I also just, think that not everyone did like, like not every lip sync was too much this season like I really liked um Monet Exchange doing the Monet and uh Dusty whenever they did Pound the Alarm because like there were like tricks and stuff but it wasn't like they were pulling things out like that you didn't know were gonna come it was just just it was high entertainment just the whole time watching them yeah and just the focus on the energy of the song right like I love a good lip sync where you feel your oats but you can also kind of add little things to it um, and like, like, and now I'm a sucker for a fake death drop over. Oh yeah, over. <laughs> come on, Monet Exchange. Like, I see that hand going up. Like, you thought, bitch, you thought yeah. I was gonna split, but no, so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think that season ten had a more more of a balance with like the fake reveals. I mean, 
save the finale but like (laughs) all stars three there was a lot more like i feel like bs happening with all of the songs it was very desperate for most for shangela was very desperate for a lot of her listeners she was really thirsty like really really there's a couple times where she was super thirsty and i was like you oh and that's what i don't want like i know like because i can tell people really want it right Mm -hmm. so you pull out the stops because you obviously want to win um, but there is something to be said about just like feeling your oats and just like letting the song, like live your life through the song. Like we will get the message and we will get the connection um, mm-hmm. if you could just do that. Because like take any other like run of the mill queen and have them do so emotional but like by Whitney Houston, like with the whole Sasha Velour thing. Right. Um, and if they're mediocre, it's not going to fly. But like Sasha Velour was also singing, like lip singing the shit out of that song. Right. And she also has a great mouth and great face. And that yes. also helps too. And that, so like, let, if we, I want both, I would love to have both, mm-hmm. but I hope we don't start relying on it. Well, I mean, like, we will see. I feel like a lot of people complained <laughs> about it. Hopefully I don't know when season 11 films, but hopefully the Queens who are going, or who we've just gotten got them that much. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I hope so too. I really hope so. Okay, before we talk about drag race, I have one more very important question for you. Your okay. thoughts on Everything is Love by the Carters. <laughs> Thank you for for asking me about my personal things that really matter to me. I don't know if y'all know this, Fairy Berries, but I am a native Houston uh, well not a native Houstonian, but um, Houston is the birthplace of Beyonce Knowles. Yes, go Carter. on. Um, and, uh, I, t- we, I take her very seriously. Um, she's a very large part of my, na- and as a native black Texan, she's a big part of my life. Um, I loved it. Thought it was really, really beautiful. And somebody else said it's, so I, I didn't actually say it, but like they said that Jay-Z was rapping better than he had been in years, which is true. And then Beyonce's rapping better than <laughs> Like, really killing it. I wish everyone could see you leaning into the camera while you say that. You got so serious. It's so true. Like, I I listened to Ape Shit a million times, and I was like, is she? I was like, no, I don't think, like, maybe, like, and then I was like, no, she's really running circles around this man. Um, And it's fantastic. And then you watch the video, and the video in the in the Louvre um, is so sublime, right? Um, and I and felt she, like people were saying that that's like not iconic. I'm like, how is that not like, oh, did you shut down the Louvre? Like, what the fuck? No. <laughs> yeah. And now that I heard that the Louvre is now having like tours of like, like specialized tours of like, oh, did you see Beyonce's videos? Here are the, here's all the artwork she used and here's the origin of that and here's how it connects to the things. Like, they're making a profit off of that as well. But like, again, like, there are people who we have A-list celebrities who cannot keep a secret to save their, their lives, and th- the Carter family can shut down the Louvre, shoot a video, um, and then quietly drop stuff down. Like, and they have a bunch of folks around them who can obviously keep a secret. Like, it just goes like respect goes a long that way. That NDA must just be like, if you talk, you die. Like, yes. like, yeah, like that has Your to whole be what family's gone. And that's what it is. Like, if you, if you, you and say, everyone who heard you dead. <laughs> like, we're just in, in a five mile radius. It must be so serious because, I... like, again, like they do so, so much. But, Tom, as much as I love everything is love, do you know what I loved more this year? What? Baychella. Yes. Uh, I loved Baychella so much. And l- listen, I'm uh, you can't y'all can't see me, but I'm a, I'm a woman of color. I'm 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 a black. Um, but like that was a black ass performance that I really really loved and really really needed. Um, and for two hours, and that mic was on, and they two danced hours, their two butts hours. off. 
Um, one of my friends is a musician and, you know, cause I was just thinking, I was like, man, there's so many dancers like this is so great. Um, and again, like how we didn't, we didn't know anything about all of that. And that's a lot of folks on stage, but she was also like saying, she goes, no, there's more to that. Cause like, think of every instrument they have that has to have their own mixer and all of these other things. And to get that coordinated, she goes, there's a lot going on into that. There's a lot of hands that go into that. Like she is, when people say to me, Oh, like Beyonce. I respect their opinion, but like, <laughs> you already hit the But like, they they never they're always like I don't like Beyonce because I don't like her. They don't ever have a good reason. Like this is a hardworking woman uh, who puts on a an incredible show, who looks good, who is so gracious. Um, like if you don't like it, I'm just gonna say, and y- y'all can come after me on that. If you don't like Beyonce, you don't like hard work. Um, because your fave, like realistically, your fave could never, um, (laughs) (laughs) like a lot of our faves could never, and I have a long list of faves or whatever, but like your fave could never shut down the loop and have 500 people not say anything about it. Your fave could never have a million people on risers for two hours, um, and not have them say anything about it. Your fave really couldn't. So, but no, I loved everything is love. I can't wait to like see her in September. She's coming to Houston in September and I'm going to weep for three hours, um, because I can't. (laughs) I can't, I'm just not like, I am that person. Like I, if thank goodness there's no cameras on me or if there's a camera on me, you're going to see me ugly cry. Um, I, she's just so magical. Yeah. Just magical. I will, I will share some honest tea as far as like me and Beyonce. Okay. Did, oh God. <laughs> you're like leaning it. Yeah. I, <laughs> Beyonce didn't hit me until like her self-titled album dropped. Like it did not click to me and then whenever that came out I was like oh she's an artist like she is an artist and that's when I was like okay bitch and I remember that album dropping it's a weird thing because I was strangely between jobs I only had $20 left I spent it on the Beyonce album not knowing what it sounded like just because everyone was talking about it and I was like this is insane I sat and watched those videos like the second I bought it and I was like what is happening but yeah, I did touch Beyonce, guys. I just want to say it again. And it was the best. Her hand was so soft. I don't even, I can't even comprehend it. But Oh my gosh. Oh, she's everything. She's really great. Okay, now that we've talked about Beyonce for sufficiently yeah, yeah, 20 yeah. minutes, <laughs> let's get to the topic at hand. So okay. um, as we all know, a few weeks ago, and we caught to this on our social media and kind of mentioned in our last episode, a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Tiffany and I, we were discussing the Vixen um, and the reunion episode, and we kind of got mixed feedback on if we stepped out of bounds or if we, like, and not checking our white privilege, because we had, we kind of called out RuPaul for code switching, as I understood the message that Jacob had left on our wall, um, kind of saying, like, why, sh- why are you changing yourself between who you're talking to? Um, so, like, where did we misstep and how can we be better moving forward? Sure. Um, first off, I'll... I'll say first like here's what I saw when I or saw here's what I heard right um and I think I said this to you before mm-hmm. Tom like you got both you and Tiffany were speaking from your perspective and that is totally valid right I think that what is going to make us better as allies to each other is just speaking from our experience like I I'm an educator and some of the things I say when I teach students is like education is a series of dialogue sessions, right? Um, We learn more by talking. We learn more by communicating with each other, right? Um, And so like the fact that you guys were at least owned it and then we're speaking from your perspective is totally valid. But, you know, Jacob brought up some some legit major points and that like when it comes to situations when you're 
talking about race relations, particularly when you're talking about the code switching thing, it's not quite y'all's conversation, right? And we can say that because we know that you both are, are white or you we experienced your, you guys as white, but it's not quite your experience because the thing is, as a person of color, when I see it, I look at y'all and I'm like, but you're talking about a black person code switching. Do y'all know those codes? Um, right. And you can't really true that truly know that for your own experience. Um, but again, it doesn't knock the things that you guys were doing. I think that cause you, you know, whenever you're talking and you're just kind of going with things, you're just saying the things from your experience. Um, and that's totally fine. However, when it goes to talking about some tricky stuff here, like we are with allyship and we are with like all the race relations stuff that came up, uh, this season, mm-hmm. like knowing where your limitations are as an ally, does help and i'll say this kind of i'll probably say this a lot through our conversation today mm-hmm. the key to there's no like how to of like here's how to be a good ally here's how to say to have all these things there's no way um because you you can always just do the best you can in the same way that i do i, I know that me as a human i do the best i can um every single day that i speak ever we all always i try to always assume that people are doing the best that they can but with that being said when we think about what it means to be a good ally. It's, we have two years for like, it's always listen first and then proceed with caution whenever you do action. Um, and what I mean by that, um, is that like, yes, you guys were and your jobs, you and Tiffany's jobs are to like recount the show, recount the things that are happening and which is what you were going to do. Um, but if you and you totally saw, I think we you guys talked about it last week, right? It looked like uh, she Re, RuPaul was doing the most. Like it, mm-hmm. we can go into that in a minute, but like really doing the most. Um, that can be problematic for a lot of people in terms of race relations, and you guys indicated that. Um, but moving forward to be a good ally, right? Like it's bringing, it's talking to other people of color and listening to those pe- people's experiences. Um, but where true allyship happens is by actions. Um, and by, and we, and what I experienced for y'all last week, like where the action happened is like, Hey, yeah. And y'all were so good about being like, Hey, we are going to do better uh, now that we know better. Um, and we're going to keep it going because the other thing too, about when we start talking about race and gender and sexuality, and we get, you know, kind of into these kind of like identity politics conversations is that you're not going to get it right as an ally. You're not going to get it right every single time. Um, and so you have to be in an okay space to kind of get checked, right? Or, and this is not meaning that like everybody has to come and be like, hey, you guys were awful, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, like, uh, but it's really like, hey, you said this thing. Maybe next time you should probably do that. Because again, when it comes to dialogue, dialogue, when we think about dialogue, y'all, it's back and why right, we go back and forth. It's, um, it's us trying to get a little bit better. And so, I would always approach the my suggestion for y'all and what I think what is best for y'all is to like, you know, listen first and then proceed with action. And so I don't think you actually, I think you did the best that you could in those moments because it's your job. Um, but I think that there's always room for improvement and room for conversation. And also shout out to Fairy Barry Jacob, um, you know, because also in, in turn for people of color or people who are from underserved who feel concerned, like it takes a lot to be like, hey that was a thing. I don't like that. Like it takes so much in those situations. Right. Um, and if we really true want, truly want to be better to each other, if we really truly want to be good allies, um, to each other in any kind of facet, it comes with like being self-reflexive and being not acknowledgeable in the moment, but also being able to do what it takes to continue the dialogue. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, 
as I, like, I'm just going to repeat kind of what you said. Tiffany and I, like, we're doing what we do, you know? And then Jacob was like, I love what you're doing, but, like, here's a way that you can be better. And so we were like, of course. Like, of course we didn't catch that because we didn't, we didn't think about that. Um, and so... I was really appreciative, like, of the conversations that it did start. Like, like, well, if we had never have said it, we would have never have learned, like, that we yeah. stepped out of bounds. And, like, if Jacob hadn't said something to us, we could never have learned either. But, like, even in the comment section of, like, his post and um, Denise went live, it was just, it was, like, right. so great to hear everything. Well, and I think we, I mean, y'all have some of the best fans in podcasts. I, you know, I think all of us who listen to podcasts, we do the whole thing where you find yeah. a podcast <laughs> on social media um, and then you become a fan and you're in conversation, right? And so mm-hmm. I follow multiple, like, podcasts of different vicinities. And I've seen, like, moments when a listener comes, like, says, like, hey, this could be done better. I've seen that go completely <laughs> Well, we well we we both yeah. know. <laughs> we do. We really do. Yeah, yeah we really like do. witnessed that live. Yeah, yeah, we see that happen a lot. And so, like the fact that like people were so open um, on the Facebook group to like have those conversations is where kind of those things start, right? And you know, a lot of my to go into some of the things I study and as some of the things I kind of work on in the classroom. A lot of my work goes through activism, right? Like part of like being a part of, if you want to make change or you want to get your voice heard, like activism a thing is a is a th- way to do that. And for some people, activism just is like, oh, I'm going to march every day or whatever, or like I'm going to pick it every day. And that's not, that's not feasible for everybody. Sometimes it is just like, hey, why don't you and I sit down and let's have a conversation about this thing? Um, or hey, how do we figure out how to like be better people in the world by just fixing our language a little bit or like talking about things that bother us? Like that too is an activist feeling, right? Um, and I think it's so important for us um, going forward in um, in, the, in our current political situation uh, to kind of have that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and like I said earlier, like I really think that's what happened this semester or this semester, this season. <laughs> this I am season. I'm such an academic. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think that's what happened this yeah. like season, right? Like we are super, we, we love our people we, and we get to be in conversation with them all the time, but we also love our people. But then all this thing, all these for in, in, if you live in the United States, right. Or maybe in the world, you're probably feeling it right. So much pressure happening on the other side uh, with the world around us all the time. And so like it's coming to head it, and it, it feels like it came to head in the show a little bit, maybe not explicitly, but like, you know, you cannot avoid having some of these conversations yeah so this i didn't send this question to you so let's just discuss we'll discuss it on the fly so do you think rupaul is like essentially trying to keep everything's like light and fluffy in a reality show by kind of avoiding bringing it up directly i don't think i don't think she knows how okay to do it um and because i think she's trying to keep it life like i think she's at maybe it feels like she's kind of at a crossroads too where she's Mm -hmm. trying to keep it like fun and like gaggy and you know like fluffy uh but like everyone else who you know whenever you're confronted with a heavy hitting issue about identity politics like you're not ready to have that conversation so you're just kind of flailing a little bit and so i felt like especially in the reunion where i was like where is there's a lot happening like this is a new version yeah Uh, if you maybe this is a real version of rupaul and so i don't think i don't think rupaul was ready to have is trying to do it but not doing it so well and I, I will say this based on my experiences um or at least what I observe like because I've seen some of the people uh, people from other podcasts um and other folks who were just like 
Uh, you cannot convince me anymore that RuPaul is not racist toward other black people. Um, and for some of you that, or if you're hearing that for the first time, some of you are like, what, how can you be a black person and be racist to other black people? Trust me. Uh, that, that is a thing that happened. Colorism is a real situation. Right. Um, and I think that like she, this is, and I, 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 I can't, like completely speak to like oh she's colorist but I do think that this is somebody who was not ready to have com like have these conversations either with herself or with other folks and I think like here's what's bought let's just let's we're gonna go in let's do um, it let's go, let's, let's go. Um, I was trying to like do the like oh let's be fluffy but let's go in um it's in google is free <laughs> um, I'm gonna, that's a, right. Um, let me, let me, let me get there. Google is free. Um, and so to have your finger on the pulse for things is not too hard, right? If you've never heard words like cisgender or intersex or microaggression or whatever, Google is free and everybody got a smartphone now, right? Um, so it doesn't take much to be abreast on some of the concerns and issues that people have, right? Um, and so what I, I feel like I keep experiencing whenever I watch the shows, particularly the semester uh, where I'm like, I want to be like RuPaul, where, who, who around you is keeping you woke um, on some of these things? Like you seem very surprised, or I felt like she felt, seemed very surprised by some of uh, the way that Vixen called out on a lot of things or seemed very surprised that like people were upset about certain things or, or and even worse, just completely grazed over it. Um, that it feels like there's kind of a distance where I'm like, you haven't caught up. Like it feels like she hasn't caught up on current on current times. Yeah. Um, and that really, really concerns me going forward because if we continue to have reunions like that, um, I know not myself. I, well, I'm on the fence a little bit too. Like, but I know lots of friends of mine and colleagues of mine are like. I don't know if I'm going to be hype about next season if this and they're women of color, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're like, if you're going to keep doing these black queens this way, if you're still going to be, if you're going to like try and clock other black women the way that you try to clock the vixen or Asia or whatever, like that is a legit situation. And I know for some of y'all, when you're hearing this, you're just like, but I, it's, it's just a show. It's just a competition. It's just fun. But real talk, this is also people's lives. Um, you know, and I was, I've been when I say I've been doing research, boobles. I've been doing research. I watched uh, Paris is Burning for like the fifth time uh, this week. <laughs> I, I love if you have not watched Paris is Burning, Truly. it's on Netflix, y'all. It's really like everything that you love, all the words that you're like, touch all of the skin, all, you know, all mm -hmm. like all of these like quips that you're hearing on RuPaul's Drag Race come from that show, which shows you it comes like drag culture and you know queer culture and LGBTQ cu culture comes from women of color or you know. It comes from black and Latino folks, right? But one of the things they said in opening lines of that show were like, um, in life you get three strikes, um, you know, and if you are gay, that's one strike. And if you are black, that is another strike. And if you are trans or if you're a drag queen or if you like gender bend or whatever, that's your third strike, right? Um, and then it's going to be very, very hard for you. Um, and I say all of that to say this, right? Like, so when you're looking at all of these black queens who, you know, are pushing back or having these concerns, right? You know, there was a thing about like how, t you know, the Twitter numbers are messed up for white queens versus <laughs> colored queens. Like that's coming from a place of that rule of that three strikes rule, right? Like if you, if you have at least one strike ahead, like you get seen for priority. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder, I'm really concerned going forward. Uh, sorry, I went on a tangent. Um, okay. I, 
Um, I'm really concerned going forward um, that it, that something should be done or something, or we need to start continuing to have conversations like we're having right now um, because it's not going to go away. And I feel like it might get heightened. Yeah. So since uh, the Vixen kind of hashtag triggered all of this. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how do you feel about the Vixen? And do you think her messages are coming through as clearly as she thinks they are? Um, I... I'm going to use a small metaphor um, to kind of like explain, because I, I feel like, and I kept saying this to a lot of folks, like I didn't think she was going to win. Um, and she wasn't my favorite queen this semester, mm-hmm. but then like, semester. I love semester, that. No, they're all semesters I, now. I can't really wait. Are. I can't I wait like, for spring semester. I'm looking. Yes. I was like, after, but as long as I have a summer break, like, I, she was not my favorite queen, but like, but she is, she will always stand out to me. Um, and here's why. Um, so I'm going to use this example. Have you ever been in an experience where like something really magical happens, right? You just mentioned you, Tom, like when you touch Beyonce's mm-hmm. hand, um, and then you try to like immediately like tell somebody about it and you're only, and I always joke with my students, but I was, you always start speaking a haiku because someone will be like, Hey Tom, you touched your hand. How was it? And you were probably like, Oh girl. And she, Oh, stop, stop. oh my God. And like her, Oh, oh, all the single ladies. Like you can't like, <laughs> you can't form anything. You can't yeah. form anything, but like you clearly see like and that person who's watching you is like, I don't understand anything they're saying, <laughs> but you clearly see the passion. Now, this is not to say that like the vixen is speaking in haiku, mm-hmm. um, but it is to say that like I recognize sometimes you have to watch the intent um, and the like all the nonverbals before you listen to the message. Everything that she is trying to say um, means a lot to her and speaks volumes to the experience of people of people of color um, in at least in the LGBTQ community, but just people of color in general. Uh, do I think that it was it, the message came across clearly? No. Um, and we saw that over and over again, right? Like, um, but it doesn't mean that like her messages were not valid uh, when she called people out or when people came for her and she and she clocked back very harshly, right? Um, you know, and people speak, speak from their experience. Um, but I do like recognize what she was trying to do in those moments. And I totally kind of respect that because in a lot of ways, like we're having these conversations about race because of her. Yeah. Um, simple as that, right? And the thing that she said, in the reunion was like, I, you know, she said, I came to fight, but I never started a fight, which is when you look, look back, it's mm-hmm. absolutely true. People really swerved in her lane a lot. Yeah. Um, she, and she swung back pretty, pretty harshly. Um, but I could tell like a lot of that passion and intent, um, gets lost in translation in the same way that like, sometimes when you, when something matters to you or so you really care about something, like, even though you're trying to articulate it, like you can't quite find the words that are going to effectively, you know, hit the person that you're communicating to. It doesn't mean there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with the vixen uh, for that because it happens to everybody, but it makes me, and it's me wanting to remind a lot of folks whenever they try to come for her, like, this is somebody who really is passionate about something. And you, and everyone has been passionate about something and had a moment where they were like verklempt or, you know, over, overcame with words, you know? And so I wish if I could go back, I wish she could be much more clear with her words, because God, I could real as a person of color, I could really feel w- everything that she was saying, but it just doesn't work out. Now, on the other hand, I felt like Blue Ivy was a misstep. Um, <laughs> I didn't recover from that at all. Um, and so I, you know, she's like, 
that's a real th- and that's a real thing. And so it's not like I want to be like I want to do over. I want her to win. Like I really thought that like she was never going to recover from that. But like don't don't count her out at all. Like she's really that all of that rage and that people experience is rage and passion and anger. It's coming from it's not coming out of nowhere. It is coming from a place of like I want to speak out on some of these things. Um, and sometimes the passion overcomes me. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I like had this thought while you were speaking. I'm wondering if, because the vixen was viewed as explosive kind of from the start, like with her, I'm going to fight. I'm yeah. wondering if other queens who like maybe got in tips with her were like, if I come for her, I'm going to get airtime. I'm going to like be seen by the public. Do you think that happened at all? I think so. Okay. And I, I really feel like that. Um, I, I really feel like Eureka so that seems like something if I don't know again I don't know all these things but it feels like Eureka benefited from that and maybe that was an intentionality there of like all right she says she came to fight let me see if I can get some screen time because they love a fight right. uh, you know and like no one's coming into drag race completely like um, unknowing of the thing that they're walking they're walking into right if you see the show so like you you know what gets hype right you want people want the one-liners we want the like special relationship we want the killer outfits we also want the fights right and so we know those things get screen time and so i you're absolutely i think you're right tom i think that that's a thing that happened i really think um i really think eureka took most advantage of that um in those cases before we talk about Eureka, which of course yeah. we're going to talk about, do you think that the reunion was set up to kind of be stacked against the vixen? Do you think she was walking into something where she was going to be attacked? You know, it's hard to not say no mm-hmm. to that. Um, and I, re- I think there's a part of me that's looking at that with rose colored glasses where they were just going to recap and it was going to be fun. Um, but like, it's hard for me to not say it wasn't stacked up against her, right? A lot of the like rough, um, like conflict situations were surrounded against her. What surprised me the most was RuPaul's like, um, like her, like her responses to everything. Right. And, and Vixen called it out of like, everyone's trying to tell me how to fix myself, but no one's clocking any of these other Queens, um, to kind of do that. Right. If there, if it's going to be fair, um, then maybe all, then all of us should be kind of getting called out for it. It felt like it, it's hard for me to, I want to be able to say no here, but I'm I can't. Um, Because it really felt like that was the case. And with that coming from, you know, the vixen leaving um, in the middle of the taping, like there, I, and I, I I go back and forth on this and I'll say what I'm going to say right now. And then like in an hour, I'll be like, no, I feel the opposite. Um, I've really been going back and forth through this for the past two weeks. Like, but right now I feel like, yeah, no, you're, she's valid to leave um, on all of that. Like, and I think it was valid for her to like, be like, let me, I'm going to try and give people a shot and try to defend myself and try to see if we can resolve some things. But if it feels like people are going to attack me, I'm out. Um, and you know, I think she was valid in that, in that moment. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, and I could totally feel, um, I, I'm biased and I love Asia O'Hara. So whenever I say that my queen, uh, she is my queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my queen got very emotional afterwards, right? Like, cause she probably felt the same way too of like, you know, no, she, this is somebody who's really hurting and we, y'all dropped the ball. And probably the real explicit thing is like, no, RuPaul, like you're, if you're supposed to be the balance, boo boo, um, they go one of your kids. Um, and she's gone. Right. And, and y'all brought it up too. Like in all stars too, like when a door left, um, they all chased after her. Where was that chase for her? Right. Um, it's hard to not say, it's hard to like be like, oh, well, this is different or whatever, because it feels like um, it just, it's hard. It's really hard for me to say no for that. And so I really do stand by her like leaving and I, it breaks my heart and I love her. 
but yeah. it's... I think ultimately... I, th- I felt the same way. Like, I, w- I probably would have left, but I also feel like yeah. the Vixen really was level-headed the whole reunion. Like, I'm not talking about the show overall, but in that reunion, never. Yeah. A pitch was raised. She did some pointing, but that was about, yeah. like, as, ag- I say in air quotes, aggressive as, right. like, she got. So it's like, wh- why was everyone coming for her when she was just speaking eloquently? And Eureka only got, like, a, you're in trouble, too. Like, but, like, we never yeah. went into why Eureka was At all. trouble, you know? Yeah. You know, and that's what tells like that communicates enough to me where I think that she really kind of came in and was like, I feel like they're going to come for me. I'm going to try and hear them out. Let's Mm -hmm. see if it's going to be fair. Um, And she probably saw the cards laid out and was like, you know what? I'm good. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I. It it's still like it's it it will always bother me uh, watching how RuPaul responded to that. And like it's the you know, we'll probably touch on this a little bit later, but like it's the whole like, oh, well, I you know, I came from the same place she was um, and look where I am. But like the the context is so different now. Right. Like when RuPaul was coming. Yes, it it was. And I don't want to discount any kind of any struggle that RuPaul or any other drag queen that has has gone through. Um, but we're talking as soon as you say yes to a show right now, um, everybody's in your face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're getting it on all sides, right? Every time you open up Twitter, uh, there's going to be all kinds of like people saying, like saying all kind of problematic shit to you. Um, every time you go on stage, because it's you, as, all you have to do is be on the show once and you get booked left and right. Um, you're really in the front lines of it. And it's a different kind of like struggle, uh, that she that Ru- RuPaul's never going to understand because it's just a different thing because it's so much more heightened. Um, and I felt like in that moment, like the that was an opportunity for RuPaul to kind of find like have a moment with the vixen and be like, well, explain to me how do I what is this for you? Or if or explain it to Asia what is this for you? And it never really happened. It just felt like such a dismissal of like I did it. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Why can't all of y'all over? Uh, queens do it and that will always bother me um you know for for a very long time so sorry that's okay no uh so let's let's dive into eureka let's let's talk about her so do you think eureka is problematic yeah uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's such a loaded question i feel like so at least like tiffany and myself like i Eureka was blowing my mind with the shit she was doing outside of the show. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I cannot, if if I'm going to talk about Eureka off the show, I'm never going to be able to give like a fair assessment of what's oh. happening on the show. And, yes. And yes. I was trying really hard to like, and Tiffany was like trying to bring it. I was like, Tiffany, you can't because I literally will like explode if we like start talking about her. So let's just like, let's get into it. Let's go. Yeah. No, let's get into it. I, I'm exactly with you. Like I can't, I went into the show thinking like, yay. Like I actually liked her from season nine. I was like, Me all too. right, let's go get it. Like she's fantastic and funny. Um, And then, you know, like it felt like it just, I watched that, like that gilded statue crumble in my eyes. And then those videos um, like came out and I really couldn't come back, uh, from it. Right. Um, and you know, I want to be, if I'm going to do the thing where I do, I give a generous read. When I mean y'all, when I say generous read is I'm going to try and give her the benefit of the doubt just for a whole second. Right. Um, 
you get hot, you know, you get excited, you're back on the show, things are going very, very well. Um, and you know, you're just trying to live your life to the best of your ability. And maybe, you know, I don't know where, like, I've never been where Eureka, uh, is from or whatever, but maybe you come from a place where like, you can kind of say those problematic things and be good with it. Um, or like, you don't, no one has really ever clocked you on it. And since no one will ever clock you on it, you just feel like you can keep going until somebody, and there are some going to be some dire consequences. Sure. Why not? Right? Like, cause people, we all come from a space where we have been, and I'm using air quotes here, pre-woke, right? Um, where like we don't like, and it, it's you know we don't like to talk about our pre-woke selves, but there's a part, there are moments where we were like, actually, like before we figure out all of our figure out language and figure out how what it does to people and figure out who we stand for. There's a moment where we were, mm -hmm. all of us, um, and we don't like to talk about it because we love to think of ourselves as the like awoken individuals. But like maybe there's a pre-woke self that has not woken up yet, um, that is doing the best they can. That's where the generous read ends here because you don't get that opportunity when you're a public figure. Um, and if they filmed this a while back, the videos kept coming out um, nonstop of like, of Eureka saying my nigga, my nigga, my nigga. Um, and I, that's blowing my, that still will always blow my mind in terms of that. And there's constant tone deaf choices, right? Like, <sighs> like right, where I'm like, you can't tell, like, you're a public figure. You don't have, and the same thing at how I, at what I said about RuPaul, you don't mm -hmm. have anybody else around you that is like, hey, uh, this might be a little problematic. Hey, uh, you got to, you know, like, let's let's try and be mindful of what the intention in, is here. Or it could just be like, yeah, no, uh, she's like, oh, hey, no, I'm kind of a little, little bit of a bigot and I am a little racist. And so this Gone with the Wind outfit is legit <laughs> um, and trying to do some things. Or this me wearing this like Nefertiti crown is legit. And I'm just going to like fake give a definition. Like it's, there's too much for me to like be like, you're public at this point, you're a public figure. So you should know better. Um, and also like you, I, it's and it going back to the reunion, going back to the season where I'm watching left and right, like you're making all kind of extra, uh, like extra doing all the most and you don't ever get clocked for it. Um, and as a, as a person of color, that is always going to be infuriating for me. And now like, to be honest, like if I'm real, Eureka is not the first person to say the N word in that context, right? I remember Paris Hilton saying it years ago. We hear actresses and actors and other folks say it. Um, and it's definitely not going to, may never get clocked on it, but it is in a competition show. It is very, very infuriating uh, to watch that not go clocked while everybody else kind of gets really, really clocked all the time. Um, and like I, I keep saying it, Google is free. Um, all, you have to, <laughs> like, all you have to do is just Google real quick hey, if I, if I take, if I say my nigga, maybe I should probably like give some context. Like this was before I was the show. Oh, my bad. Um, I, I'm sorry that I offended some folks. Um, or like, hey, yes, uh, this was a gone the, uh, with the wind outfit. It had some on uh, context with my, like somebody who else, uh, I love that movie or something of that nature. I do know. It has the only connection I can make is like, that their last names are O'Hara. And that yeah. could be the only thing that I could like draw those lines to. Yeah, and that's and riches and if that was it, but still, yeah. like that tacks on with everything else is so hard for me to get over. And like again, this is the opinion of one human being. Maybe right. some of y'all like that's cool, do your thing. I love it. Um, but like for me, it is a lot to get over, and I and it's hard for me to not be like you. Ha like you, you. What do you mean? Or do you not have your finger on the pulse? Um, 
And one of my, a friend of mine brought this up where she was like, yeah, but like, you know, you see on Twitter that like Eureka's in conversation with Asia um, and with Baba Drag Queen and Baba Drag Queen was in her video and all of these other things. So that's fine. Right. Um, and I don't I can't speak for those other queens of color um, at all. But like and there's a part of me that's also like I've also been a, in a position where I've been a person of color and been like, you know what, I'm just going to play along um, because I need these checks. Um, and I'm just going to kind of be cordial and cool because I need to do that. I don't know where any of that is coming from, but as a fan, um, Eureka's situation and watching Eureka in the public light, um, is hard for me. It, if you're asking me if I am going to be a fan of hers, I'm not. Um, and I really, trust me, I wanted to, show did yeah. want to, like she was in my top five list. Um, before all this stuff went down, whenever I came through. She was my favorite um, but, to win before the first episode oh, happened. <laughs> it was just, it's, it yes. was like, there's like, you even if you like listen to our episodes, it's like, we're rooting for her, we're rooting for her. And that's like, she's fine. <laughs> like, like, we, like, you could tell the excitement <laughs> for her. It was just like, we're just talking yeah. about her because we have to. Like, it was like yeah. moving on, you know. And I really think, she, I mean all of the problematic things she's like she blew her she blew herself winning there was no way she yeah. could be crowned the winner after all of that no. oh, because there, the internet would have come for rupaul and i think rupaul already had people coming for her so many things about this season that she was just like i'm not gonna put up with the yeah. point of crowning yeah. you and i think poor asia she really had a shot until those butterflies man i listen <laughs> i i wept like i flagged just you know i like the I just stood stone-faced and tears just came down my like just non-stop like I was so hurt for her uh with the butterfly situation because I was like you could have had this yeah. um I still love her it's, still me love too her. me too I just wish I wish she got to perform in like the last lip sync just because I like I knew it was going to be her or Aquaria and the second she got eliminated well the finale was just like not fun anymore it's like well Aquaria clearly can't crown the other yeah. two you just can't, can't you know you really can't you really can't yeah so I, I want, I really wanted Asia. Oh, I wanted Asia to win so bad, but it's fine. <laughs> but like with everything that had, ha I was so exhausted by the time we got to the finale, mm -hmm. like with everything had ha that had happened, like I got to the point where like every time I wanted to be able to give Eureka some oats, like those videos, and this is something that happens, right? Every time I'm like, I, I find out any per person is problematic where I'm like, I really want to give you credit here. But also, you did this thing. Yeah. Um, and so every time I see you do something spectacular, I see this thing, right? When I, Like, whenever she ripped off her belt and said the big girl boom wins, mm -hmm. I was like, I would probably, like, three months ago, I'd be screaming. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would have loved this. But now I have to be like, my gosh, like, you're never going to get checked um, on any of these things. So I can't, I can't stand for you. And, you know, for some of y'all who are listening, you may be like, no, I love her and I will always love her. Uh, but you also have to be able to account for other people's experiences that come into play uh, whenever they choose the people that they love. Right. Maybe it's a regional thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you're from a certain part of the world. And so you're like, I'm always going to go for New York Queens or I will always stand for a Texan queen or whatever. Or maybe it is like. Issa Rae says, right, I'm, vote, I'm rooting for everybody black. Um, and sometimes that's a, a lot of the cases for me. That's always the case where I'm like, yeah, it'd be great to see a black girl win. That's really great. Like you, everyone has their criteria based on their experiences. And based on my own experiences, Eureka um, is, is not a person that I would be down for mm -hmm. at all. Um, and that's just what it is. So let's talk about RuPaul. So I, let's talk about RuPaul, the the therapist, I guess. What? How do you feel about the inner saboteur stuff that she's trying to like get all of these queens to admit things that 
I, like I've seen a social worker and you, this is something I just worked out in private. It's not something that I'm going to tell RuPaul a new secret about me and also millions of people. Like that is not the platform. So how do you feel about that? I'm an, I'm a little annoyed by it, but I also want to, tr- well, if I, again, I'm going to try and do the generous read, right? Like maybe y'all are running out of ideas. Um, <laughs> or, like, and like, but, and that's, come on, that's re- a little mm-hmm. bit valid, right? Like after 10 seasons, you're kind of running out of ideas of like category ideas. Um, but do I think that you go a little too far where like you're trying to push people to come out and say things that, and do things they aren't quite ready to say? Um, if that is the case, you need to be able to be ready to be there for them. Uh, from when that pops off, right? Like, um, and that's the oh, like that's the dangerous thing about reality television is that like, you you dig deep and you want people to like really reveal some deep and dark shit because it's for good television. But you also got to be ready to take care of these folks mm-hmm. um, afterwards, or let or allow them to have the space to kind of take care oh. of them. Um, and I don't think that like I don't think that was going to happen um, in in RuPaul's case, right? Because there's and the other thing about like RuPaul is that we. When RuPaul is in girl drag, right, we, it's, it's a statue. It is a stoic image um, and that rarely ever cracks, rarely ever gets emotional. And RuPaul in boy drag is still, even though, like, that's a moment where, like, he can have these mirror moments or table moments with all these folks and have those intimacy moments, um, there's not going to be any hugging. That's still Ru- RuPaul, boy RuPaul is still a very statuesque person because it is about an image um if you're asking for that kind of vulnerability for people you still you're going to have to back it up or it's going to have to be another layer where people are allowed to have those spaces to be vulnerable and if you're going to force people to open up you kind of have to go ahead and be a mentor um and and take the take the role of what it means to be a mentor for someone right and don't leave it up to other girls to kind of do so if 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 you want people to be like yes mother um then you're gonna have to have some motherly interest you're yeah. gonna have to have like motherly characteristics that come in now this doesn't mean that you need to like hold their hand through the rest of their career but it doesn't mean that like you need to have some moments to allow if you're if they're going to be vulnerable they need to be feel comfortable um uh, feeling vulnerable to you um you know and i don't think that that was i think that was a huge misstep yeah. here um, you could tell by everybody struggling. Right. Because it was mostly like RuPaul. It wasn't like mentor. It was like, tell me a secret so I can exploit yeah. it. You know, yeah. it just it was just it was a bit it was a bit much. Well, and y'all said it like a few weeks ago of like, tell me about your dead parents. Right. Yeah. Like every single time, um, you know, and I which is fine, like because obviously we get it makes them more relatable and all of that. But it just felt so exploited this season. Yeah. And I think uh they kind of hurt themselves with this inner saboteur with letting Cameron get as far as she did because Mm -hmm. Cameron, a lot of like I connected with Cameron even walls up before we like started, like she started like telling us more information. And so people connected with that because she was like that. They're like, I understand that. Like I get where she's coming from. And then at the end she kind of revealed more, but like if your whole season's leading up to these challenges where you want these people to lay themselves bare, you put the wrong girl there. Like why is there no nay there? So why are you pushing this person forward? And like, guys, you know, I love Cameron to like the end of the world. She's my boo. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I like also it's very confusing for me personally, even as a fan to like be like, well, this doesn't make any sense for what you guys were trying to do this season. Yeah. Here. And she's just she's just not that type of person. Mm-hmm. Right. Like uh, she's just not and wasn't going to do that for for you. And it felt like I you could I could feel like 
uh, it was hard. There's some moments during that episode where it felt hard to watch her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I can tell how uncomfortable you are. Um, and I, I don't consider myself an introvert, but I, I roll heavy with some introverts. Um, and I was like, and I know that this takes a lot for you. Um, but like, we we don't we really did not have to be here. Like, there's got to be another way to make great television and get to know some of these queens and yeah. have the best people win, other than like being like, tell me a secret so I can exploited to everybody yeah and the big thing is like now if you're smart and you go on like a reality show like this you understand that there is backlash for everything you're gonna say and you're gonna have to deal with it in real time like it's not happening while you're on the show like the save big brother where it's the only show you don't know what's happening outside in the real world like (laughs) it's like you have you're gonna deal with your consequences like right away it's gonna air and you're gonna hear about it so like you can't expect everyone to come onto the show and just be like blah 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 like just spill out their life for you because they know they know that like I know if I went on a reality show, I'd say some stupid stuff that would get me in trouble. I just know. Like, it's just, yeah. yeah, Like, so I get it. Totally get it. So let's talk about Drag Race more on a broader terms. Uh, Okay. So do you think that Drag Race show, like the show itself, excluding the fandom, has moments of racism, like, inside of it, where, like, like, do the Black queens or the Latinx queens have a disadvantage coming onto the show? It's it's hard to say, um, and the reason why I say it's hard to say is that like when we think of drag queens, we think of these larger than life characters that are caricatures, right? Um, and some and the, the thing about putting on a persona or being a larger than life character is that you can get away with things that you wouldn't be able to get to, get away with in everyday conversation, right? Like when I first started going to kind of drag shows in Dallas. Um, shout out to S four. Um, when I started going to drag shows as a kid, right? Like they you know, I would listen to them tell jokes and they were crass and a little and racist and sexist, um, you know, because you could be right. But like and that was also during a time, you know, whenever things were not showing on the Internet as much. Um, but like you, you it's it was still funny and I'm still laughing at it because it's, you know, in a private space. And I'm also looking at this person who is larger than life. And so there's something about that kind of disconnect that allows people to escape from it. Um and then even still, like two years ago, I saw the like they came in and they did a roast in Houston. Um, and I listened to several of those queens, like real same things, re- racist, sexist, uh, like Trixie jokes. Mattel's recent comment. Yeah, oh, by far. yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and she was kind of like I, she was the hard, I mean, hardest hitting of them all um, in that group. And she was there that night, um, you know. But like we uh, can, they get a, we get a pass because like of the whole like persona, it's a distancing. Someone explained to me that like, and I don't know if this is a correct explanation, so please don't quote me on this. Uh, but like, <laughs> you know, drag queens are, they're like, it's a connection to puppets, right? Everyone loves puppets, but like puppets can get away with a lot more uh, than, you know, people in everyday experiences, right? When you perform in, in those kind of spaces. And mm-hmm. so like they can, the thing that hurts women of color though, is that like, there's always going to be a much finer line. Uh, for us in terms of those kind of spaces right um and it's I think we are trying we are now learning where those finite lines are um because the other thing is what flies in a club does not fly on national television over and over again the same thing when when you guys go see when you go see queens at roasts or whenever they come into your town what flies in those shows uh is does not is not what flies in real life right and it's a thing where and i realize that whenever i go to those shows because they're like please don't take any video or whatever <laughs> to hear any of that in real life because yeah that shit does not that would let that be on video and we have we have trixie mattel situations yeah. right 
Um, do I think that like queens, black queens are on an even playing field? No, no. Um, and that's with a woman of color or, or with RuPaul, like being the face of that. Um, because it, it goes back to what I said at the very beginning when I talked about Paris is burning, right? You get three strikes in this world. Um, and if you are, you know, if yes, if you are gay and you are a drag queen, that's two strikes. If you're uh, not a white person, there's your third one. Um, so you kind of have to, and you know, black, we say this in the black community a lot, you have to work twice as hard to get half um, because you're also working you know, or in this case, three times as hard because you have to work that third uh, to cover the melanin in your skin. Um, that is a, a case for that. Now, it, I can't, I can't, I can only speak to black queens because I identify as black. Um, and so I don't know what it's like to be a Latinx queen or I can't speak to that particular experience. But whenever I watch black queens on this show, um, part of the rooting for this uh, and rooting for them is because I know how hard it is, right? And like this goes to like what Issa Rae said about a year and a half ago when she was on the red carpet and was like, I'm rooting for everybody black and everyone up in arms. Like, no, she's saying that um, because it's hard. There's not a whole lot of us up there. So it's a victory for them to be up there. So if there's something, if mag something magical can happen for us, yeah, it's a victory. Um, but I see little bits of nuances of racism that kind of continue to happen. And sometimes they're very, very subtle. Sometimes they're pretty explicit, right? It's the choice that Eureka made to put um, the black uh, YouTuber with Aquaria because she thought that that would make, mess her makeup up, right? It's little microaggressions like that, right? Or like, you know, I've had somebody say to me because I'm black, they're like, oh, my, or they were just saying it in passing, they're like, oh, my lips are getting big like a black person's. Um, and it's, there, it's small moments that like can grade in those situations. And I think we are, it's hard for us to pick up on it sometimes because they're drag queens and it's, you know, the persona is supposed to be larger than life, but like it, it's the, it's the three strikes rule. Mm -hmm. Um, that's very, very clear to me here. Uh, so, uh, Ooh, sorry. I don't know if you like got that weird feedback that I just got, but it's all good. It all, it's all fine. I, now. I, it was, I thought it was vocal fry. So it's okay. Uh, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do Alaska. <laughs> I am Alaska. <laughs> My name's Alaska. What's yours? <laughs> can't do it. Did pretty good. Oh, it sounds good. Um, it's because I'm from Pittsburgh. No. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the drag race fandom. Like, I, I wrote this question. Do you think the fandom has an issue with racism? Clearly, clearly we do. Um, so do you think, like, let's talk about that. But then I have, like, that follow-up question for you as well. Sure. So, like, uh, do you think like it's more or less than any other show that, or do you think it's because of the kind of show that it is? What, like, why do you think that it's so, it's just, you, you can't, you can't not see it when you get on Twitter and you like follow these Queens. Yeah. I think it could just be the heightened experience of, of this show. Um, you know, and it's a competition show and I don't really, this is, uh, I'm, I kind of like to be self-reflexive that right now, this is the only competition show. Well, that's a lie. The great British baking show, oh. um, but, it's, but it's hard to go. Ape, yeah, you, can, you can't go off on that show. Go, go, yeah. It's hard to go ape shit over somebody with like their choice about a soggy bottom. Uh, but um, hashtag justice for Kimberly. Okay. I just think every, Francis was the wrong winner. Oh no, I think that's correct. That's okay. totally correct. <laughs> um, welcome to our podcast within a podcast. Yeah. Now, uh, <laughs> now we talk about great British bake off. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Keep it. Um, no, I think that like it's. It, I think it's also the the caliber of our show, and I'll go back to what I said very like earlier. Of like, we want our heroes. 
um, in our escapism, right? Sometimes you, you know, whenever we want to escape from the world, we want our heroes. And for some people, it's, you know, that you can find it in comic books or in medical dramas or whatever. Our heroes are real and they're larger than, like, they fit the persona of what a superhero would look like, right? They wear a costume. They have good taglines. They do superhuman feats. Um, they do all of these wonderful magical things. And so when we, ha- when we fall in love with someone, uh, we want to do everything we can. I experience this is that we want to do everything we can to protect them. Um, and sometimes that protection gets ugly. Um, it's, I, it's, I can't even, <laughs> other than like a political race, I've never seen anything more vicious, uh, than, people who are big fans of RuPaul's Drag Race go after other queens. Um, and that is, and, and maybe I have a small world or a small world view of like my ideas of Twitter, but like it's, it gets so very ugly. And I, and I don't know if it's, if people's like go to, to like put down another queen is to always go racial or always go low. Um, because it doesn't feel like shade at all. Like right. it's, it's, it's very, very explicit. Um, and I want, and like I said earlier, I'm wondering if it's just because we live in a world right now where like all of that stuff from the outside is starting to seep in, but mm-hmm. it is really, really tough. Um, out like out there, like, I feel like I, there's like that bitmoji of like, or if you have a bitmoji, uh, where like your bitmoji is like looking at your phone and you have to like lean back. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm open up like Twitter around, like, I'm wondering what's happening on RuPaul's. Oh my God. <laughs> Like every single time, um, it's really, really mind blowing. And maybe it's just like we are just absolutely rabid. But if that is the case, I'm wondering if there's, in the same way that we hold other folks account, like to like, hey, you should be accountable for your fans as well. Is like, is there a, any way that you can kind of clock that? Um, you know, in that case, because like I know that like queens, like you know, Trixie Mattel, who has some of the most passionate fans in the universe, um, in, in the RuPaul's Drag Race universe, right? Like, you know, but they can, they can get, they can do the most, right? Yeah. Um, whenever they come through, is there a way that like, we can kind of like, not necessarily check that, but be like, Hey, you guys are way out of pocket a lot. I love the fire. Can you sit down for a second? <laughs> and sometimes, you know, and sometimes it just takes that, like in terms of allyship, it could just be like, Hey, um, I couldn't help but notice that you're going after a lot of, like some of my fans are going after a lot of black Queens, um, excessively can you sit the fuck down? Um, it takes one, like you, it takes one like Instagram story to like make that happen, you know? And, but I've never seen other than in like a political battle, like I've never seen anybody come through that. And it's something really, it's magical to, and beautiful to watch because I'm like, look how passionate people are, but also like, holy moly, people are super like, will dig deep to like find really awful dark things to say. Right. I remember a couple of weeks ago, Asia, was getting a death, got a death threat that someone wanted to burn her alive, you know? And then I, I, and I can't imagine living in a world where like, you're like, I'm just trying to like do my job and be fabulous. Um, but someone wants this so much for me. Um, and this is not to say that other Queens aren't getting that kind of like flack, but like it is much more heightened, uh, for women of color, especially women of color, drag Queens. Um, I don't know how to fix that though. Tom. I know it's all work in progress. We, I think it's just like, uh, it seems like the queens this season, like at least season 10, kind of came in and they were like, don't fuck with my, like, don't fuck with anyone who's on this cast with me. Like, if I see that bullshit, like, I will block you and, like, I'm not tolerating it. But that seemed, like, clearly that message isn't getting across. Like, to me, that's like, if a queen, like, 
say Cameron said, don't say all this stuff. And I like, you know, I feel whatever way about Eureka, but I'm not going to tweet at Eureka. I feel like if I tweeted at Eureka and said some shitty things to her uh, regarding things that are valid (laughs) to to shout at her, like just being me, like calling her fat or whatever, that that like Cameron would block me. And then like, what's like, what? Then she, she wouldn't like me. What's the point? (laughs) Like, don't you want your favorite to like you back? Don't you want your favorite to like what you're doing and believe in you and believe in like what you're doing? And it's just, it makes no sense. And also like, I was so, you talked, brought up Trixie. I was so shocked. I did not get come for at all during all sorts three because basically (laughs) every week I was like, I was like, I do not like her and I want her to go home Uh, until like the end kind of things picked up. But the whole time I was like, Someone's gonna listen no, to this I, and come for me. I thought for sure, Tom. Like every time, I was like, "Here it come, here it come." He's on Twitter. They're on Twitter. Um, they're gonna come get him, get him because, like, yeah, you know, Trixie. Like Trixie has the most intense fans ever, and I think it's cool to be like passionate. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's like it's it's, and, and I can't, I don't want to ever say like, oh, it's just a television program because this is a large part of of my life, your life, all of the listeners' lives. Like, we invest our time, our coins to these folks. And so, like, it is more than just a television program. Um, like, we we care for these folks. Um, so it's not just that, but it is hard to be like, hey, it, it, it is a competition, but can you maybe not be so um, explicitly racial with yourself? Or can yeah. you not be so mean um, with or some just- of your... Be like, funny, yeah. like be shady, like be funny, like don't, like uh-huh. if you're trying to do shade, like learn how to do it. Like, and this is yeah. not the space to learn that, like yeah. figure it out, Go, say it to someone's face and see what happens. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, no, people get a, a big time e-courage, yeah. right? Like where you can just feel like you can say whatever you want there. But like, if, if you get it to your face, like people are like, uh, um, you know, and I want I want to be able to like participate in that world. But every, like I said, every time I open my phone, I'm like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, Like it's so wild. Um, And I don't, I recognize it. Yes. I can recognize it as passion, but I can also recognize it as passion uh, that that could potentially get out of hand. Heaven forbid something really terrible happened. And I feel like this is a moment where um, not now, but soon, like, you know, there should be like, Hey, like if you're a fan of this show, like, Let's all be good to each other. Yeah. Um, that that should be a real thing um, that occurs here because there's so few, you know, shows that are doing what RuPaul's Drag Race can do of like highlighting, a, you know, there are people who grew up in conservative households who now understand and know drag queens because of this show, right? Or might be a little bit, maybe a little bit less like bigoted because of this show, right? So it does a lot of good, but like we also want to be able to continue to maintain and uplift an underserved group um, and all the things that LG, you know, the gay community stands for. Um, but it's not going to help. We're, it, I don't know if, if being mean to each other um, is going to be the way to do that. Right. Um, you know, and it's the hierarchy thing, right? Like, and I, uh, another look at me dropping shows left and right right if you've been watching pose first of all if you're not watching pose why you should aren't watch- you watching they need the ratings even just turn it if you can't watch it right away turn it on and go do whatever you need to do or like record it and watch it the- just yes please please it is so good i and so i still need good. to watch the last episode but i did play it while it was live i just wasn't watching it when yeah. it was on you know yeah. so good <laughs> so so good but they hit the nail on the head like in the like pilot episode or the second episode of like no this this is a hierarchy yeah even in this like underserved group yes they want rights or whatever but it the rights are always for like people who are white um and cis right but like most of the things that you love about the community um come from people of color um and you know it's every group wants somebody to like still like 
even if they're underserved, they want someone to be underneath them. Um, right. Like for, you know, I identify as black. And so like there are black men who are just like, no, you are, you need to be submissive because you're a woman. Um, for the gay, you know, the gay community, a lot of the things are catered to, you know, white, gay, cisgender men. Um, and everybody else kind of falls by the wayside or at, and at the very bottom are trans women of color, um, which is a mess. And then that, that is absurd because so many of the things that as we're learning from post, so many of the things that we benefit from come from those women, uh, and that we love the most come from those women and come from the bravery of those women. And so, you know, to, to kind of like watch people push back on that or go racial um, when it comes to um, uplifting their queen, it's it's really really disheartening um, to watch. Um, and if that's the only place that you can go for, um, then yeah, you should probably check your privilege because or like re- really think about what this means to you, or and are you commodifying this for your benefit, or you know, or or and just kind of address your demons, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know you won't be able to speak from like personal experience on this next question, but we, like, I feel like even though like there's still a huge issue with it, I think that like a lot more people are being vocal about like the microaggressions or the aggressions toward the black queens, but very Mm -hmm. rarely it's discussed when we're talking about the Latinx queens. Why do you think that they, why do you think that we like kind of just overlook them altogether? I'm wondering if we are, I've been thinking a lot about that. I don't, and like I said, I don't know if I can like, and so I have two kind of understandings of where this might come from. Uh, I think, uh, like I said, because of the vixen, because there's a black queen, like we're able to address these sort of things and they're brought to the forefront. Right. Um, And it takes one person to be like, Hey, I'm going to like, you're not going to be able to do this to me anymore because I'm going to clock you on it for other P other black Queens like Monet, um, and, um, and Asia to come up and say like, Hey, you know, this is a pro- this is a thing that's a, an issue. Um, and I can't rem- I cannot recall in my experience of drag race that happening, a, a Latinx queen coming up and doing that. Um, and so maybe that's, pro- that's probably a what a reason why, like we're talking about that kind of, you know, racism against black queens versus Latinx queens because we have we have the vixen to be that vehicle um but when I think about you know Latinx queens sometimes in a lot of the cases I'm wondering if it's and again I'm not I'm just speaking from observation I'm wondering also if it's a little bit of a notion of like Latinx queens pass right uh, in terms of like being you know perceived not necessarily perceived as white but like definitely not being perceived as not black Um, And sometimes there's a notion for that as well, Um, you know, and I'm wondering if that is a concern or or an issue that happens there. I would love to see so much more intersectionality occur where we get to kind of talk about what it means to be a Latin queen, um, a drag queen in the world or an Asian American queen or Asian queen uh, in the world. Like some like the. Some of the things that we benefit from and what RuPaul's Drag Race benefits from is that we're not just getting, you know, 12 white queens uh, with that long face and blonde hair um, coming through every single time that we get, you know, Yuha Hamasaki's, that we get Jujubees, that we get, you know, um, that we get Miss Vanjie and that we get all these other things <laughs> through. Um, this, this, listen, this podcast can't come through unless somebody says Miss Vanjie once. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't publish it until someone says it. But we can't like, you know, I, I wonder if that is, uh, like I said, I wonder if passing is the concern here. But also, I think we're on the forefront of talking about, you know, racism against black uh, queens because of the vixen. Um, and maybe next season we do get a Latinx queen that is like, hey, 
here's some, here's, here's what it's like to be me or, Hey, whatever this is, here's a thing that concerns here, but like, it's, it's definitely different. Yeah. Okay. So this is going to be like the, everything after this question is going to be much broader and just general world to conversation. We have to talk about her since I have you on the podcast. Yep. Tyra Sanchez. Let's, All right. Let's discuss. Is it nature? Is it nurture? Do you think the fan base like really fucked her up? And that's like why we are where we are. Um, what do you think? What's the tea? <laughs> I really think, you know, I, I, I would go back and forth all year watching Tyra kind of do every, Tyra do everything on social media. How could you not? Mm-hmm. Um, like on the forefront of all of these things, like it looked like it was going to get very dangerous for a while and all of that. And I think, you know, Tiffany said it best last week of like, listen, she's probably not wrong. Like she's clear. I'm looking at her a little differently now that I've seen all these things going on. Um, but it's the same thing when I think about, and I'm going to talk a little bit about black lives matter. Right. Um, when I think about, and I'm using that, not like Tyra Sanchez and black lives matter are completely connected, but as an example to kind of help you inform why, what I think about her. Um, if you keep saying something over and over again and no one is hearing you, you're going to try and find multiple ways to try and get that voice out again, right? Um, and sometimes that might mean you look um, a certain way or that you look quite threatening, but if it matters to you that much, you're going to try and do a lot of work to kind of get your voice out there. Uh, do I think that the fan base... Um, much like Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. right? Like we, you know, people in, involved in Black Lives Matter have said over and over again, "Hey, we would like our black you know, people who are black to not be shot, who are unarmed to not be shot by police officers." Um, no one's listening to me. Great, we're going to go ahead and go into the streets and have some demonstrations. You're still not listening. Cool. Great, we're going to go to social media uh, to make this happen. Right? You find ways to like try and get your voice out over and over again, and you you're never silent about it. And I see that a lot with Tyra Sanchez. So I think the fan base is completely responsible for her behavior. Um, I think she's a product of this environment. It's hard for me to not say no. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think I saw something, or y'all talked about it two weeks ago about how she you read the like Instagram story. Right hearing that particular narrative, right? Like when you're looking for, it sounded like Tyra was looking for a mentor and did not find it in RuPaul. Um, And I think that that's, I I don't want to say that it's a, like, no, I I do have to say, I feel like it's a, RuPaul dropped the ball in those kind of experiences, right? Because you can't have like people open up and be vulnerable like that um, in a world where everyone, that it's already harder as it is for a lot of folks. um, And then be like, yeah, girl, good luck. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Say bye. Um, it's hard for me to kind of like watch that happen um, and to think that that's the case. Now, I this is not to say that we created like the fandom created Tyra Sanchez mm-hmm. as she is right now. No, uh, but I do think that we have we always have a hand in some of those things. Right. It's the same thing. Like I would be t- I remember seeing like uh, Cameron posted something right after the finale ended where she was like, guys, I'm good. She goes, I'm actually thankful that I didn't win. Um, I was really scared that if I did win, um, how the fans would kind of react. Like they know how vicious you are. You guys Mm -hmm. can be right. We, and it's because of of passion. Um, now imagine like even being a, a queen that has been, you know, your season hasn't gone on for a long time and then you still open up Twitter um, and it's still, it's like, you know, oh my God, like all over the place, right? People saying all kind of crazy things um, about you. That's going to take a toll um, on, it will take a toll on anybody, even the strongest person possible um, that is going to be the case. And so I really think that like, 
when we go back to like the fandom being kind of absurd, like that's the consequence of that for you. It is just a set of characters that you say that you drop and you keep going. But those people who receive those messages, hold on to that. Like words matter and they do things for people. Um, and so I think that we, we are not completely innocent. We won't be completely innocent for that. Do I think that like other Queens are going to be on the path of that? Um, I think that's hard to tell. Um, but I, but it shows a model of, of what, the fandom can do and what this like show the aftermath of what the show can do um you know uh it's not like another competition where you just kind of like struggle or it's it's not like any other competition because you can you still continue to kind of work in the system and all of that um but it is it's it's hard that's it i it really watching this season really changed how i how i felt about tyra um a lot i think a lot i think me personally coming into this season I was just I, I it's like all of that stuff with DragCon was I was just like girl what are you doing like yeah, this is too. yeah like, Why? you don't have to do this I yeah. don't understand and then kind of watching what happened with the vixen and then like Tyra's letter there at the end I was just like oh I'm I'm caught up I I follow like things yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I worry that we're going to kind of create other situations like like Tyra. And, and maybe we won't because now we're very aware of like now after 10 years we see how the cycle works and whatever. And maybe people are taking care of themselves. But like, um, you know, now more than ever, like when you're if you're a fan, like it really just like it. Your words matter. Your your support matters. And if, even if you cannot stand a queen and I feel the same way about Eureka I was like I don't stand for Eureka but you're definitely not going to see me follow her or like tweet at her or say all like it's just I'm gonna live my life yeah. um you know I always it, say like your money talks like don't go yeah. to their shows don't buy their merch that's the strongest that's that's the only way you can hurt a queen is by not like that's the best way to like come at it because because if you're not spending your money on them they're not making money off you, so therefore you're not perpetuating their career any further. You tweeting at them and them responding is only pushing them further. Like, just shut up. Yeah. Don't buy their merch. Love who you love. Support who you love. Mm-hmm. And just let it be what it is. Totally. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. So oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to, if you're ready to move on, let's talk about, like, the world just a little sure. bit. Okay. So this one's a heavy question. And okay. not that I haven't been asking hard questions this whole time. Uh, Let me so, stretch. Let me stretch. Okay, okay. Let's just, we're going to do this one. <laughs> so why do you think it, I hope I word this in a way that's going to make sense to like everyone. So why do you think it's so hard for oppressed people to unite? So like why aren't gay people accepted in like regular, like straight black culture? Or um, like why do you think the gay community like overlooks the trans community? Like why in my head? <laughs> What makes sense to me as a person is we should all be fighting this fight together. I think what's happening is we're all distracting from the bigger issue where the rich, white, straight man keeps winning. And it's yeah. just like, if we all just were like, hey, hey, listen for a second. I have some, like, we can do this together and get everything we need. But like, right. we're just all so, so focused on just like what is good for us like what like in my experience is like what is good for the white cis gay man or like you know what i mean so like why do you think yeah. it's so hard for us to like all fight for each other i think we are products of capitalism i mean there's lots of factors yeah. here that but i think the big one is that we are products of capitalism um and standing for our identity right in order for us to 
want uh, for me to like define who I am. Uh, I need to be clear about who I am not, right? Um, and so, and sometimes in that definition, um, because there's no fluid fluidity, like we, it's, I can be like, oh, I am this, this, and this, and I'm definitely not this, right? And some, and but like to knock that out. Um, means that you cannot be the other thing, right? Um, and also on a competitive scale, you know, in order for us to like make steps up, there has to be, we, we want to be able to see the, humans want to be able to see the scale of things, right? If I'm moving up in the world, um, I am in line with these people and these people are behind me. Um, and we, and that hierarchy or seeing, being able to see that hierarchy, even though we we don't want to see it or we don't want that. It's not what we mean by that, even in people with the best intentions. Um, that is how we see the world. And that is how we want to be able to like understand how to move forward in things. It's the same thing I said um, about that. I, you know, again, please watch pose, but like <laughs> that they point out in the first episode of like, you know, yeah, yes, all people who are gay and people who are in the alphabet group um, are oppressed. But um, at the top of that list, are the people who us who are closest to rich, white, heterosexual, um, and all you have to do is change the word from heterosexual to gay, um, and that's at the top of the list, and everybody else falls into line um, in in that kind of order, right? Um, and I think people want that, or like, or not necessarily want that, but we see that because we're like, okay, if I move forward and I move up, and if I'm aligned with these groups of folks, um, then I know that I can, that I'm, that I've made it, um, and these people are behind me, right? You want that kind of hierarchy uh, to be able to show yourself where you are, and I, I agree. Like Tom, I really think that it would make sense for us to like be all fighting together because we're all really at like we're all look we all are fighting the exact same battle, um, but it's hard for us to like try to like move aside by some of those difference and differences and come to come together. And I go back and forth on whether or not how to fix that. Right? Maybe it is just us, like because if we are fluid with our ideas and be like, hey, we're all just people. But the problem with saying, hey, we're all just human beings, means you erase culture and identity and sexuality and all and all the things that make us unique we it's finding a way to for, let us stand in our our diversity standing in our differences uh but still working together that can occur i don't have the answer to how that would work um but like i do see the observation of all of that right to be who i am i must be I'm, i need to define who i am not yeah. through that um and that is impossible to break sometimes for a lot of folks i'm wondering if like the people who like, like you and I, who like we're allies to everyone because we want everyone to succeed. We're not viewing it like I need to be better than you. I want to lift us all up. Like we, yeah. like it's not like I don't need to be higher than you. I want us all. Like I want to bring you up to me, and then all of us move up together. Because, like, like you said, like as a white gay cis man, I'm at like I'm. I'm almost there. Like I could almost yeah. like touch that other side, but like uh, I, we we still haven't crossed that threshold. You know why? Because we're leaving people behind, and that's yeah. like we can't do that. Like without, I just think we all need to be in the mindset. It's like it's not about moving forward. It's about having us all like come together first and then right. move forward. Well, and that's a little bit how allyship, yeah. or in my experience, how allyship could work. Yes, we're all trying to move forward, but in the moment of you kind of making that step back, being like, "Yay." I moved up a little bit. Now let me turn around and see what I can do for this other group to get them on the same level as me, right? And it goes back to the kind of listening and like as an as an ally, whenever I consider myself an ally, my job is to support 
um, the other group or support an underserved group um, whenever they need to um, and then go to battle for them and be on the front lines if I if ever I, they need me, you know, and that's the kind of the, the thing that I think will make maybe the first step in the right direction of like making the world a better place is like every time you move forward or get a step forward or get an edge, uh, think about a way where you can look behind you and be like, hey, what can I do to get you guys to open the store for y'all as well? Now, that looks different for different people, right? It's not like you're like, everything I have goes back to that. Um, but it's really just like, all right, I got here. What can I do to make that step forward? And to be fair, to go back to RuPaul's Drag Race, I bet whenever she, uh, like RuPaul started this was like, look at me, I am a, I am a, I am banking. This is beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, whenever I was, it was the seventies and eighties and people around me were dying for their art. Uh, people are now asking me to do a show. This is an opportunity to bring this to the world. I'm sure that, and I know that that's probably where the intentions came from. Uh, but somewhere along the way, um, it gets confuddled, right? We just had pride month last month. And I remember, you know, it's, it's, a beautiful and also interestingly troubling thing whenever I get to see so, like I walk into Target and I see all the flags there and I see like the big display right it's exciting and beautiful because I'm like look at this thing for inclusion but there's also a part of me in the back that was like is this capitalism <laughs> is this trying to cat like to get on top of the other things um or whatever uh, you know and so there's it, there's some there's always going to be a little bit of a tricky space on like what it looks like whenever we move forward but keeping in dialogue with each other and keep talking to each other i think is a way to kind of maybe at least get us in the right direction okay so here's another hard question you know i just i save them all i save all, all of my good ones for the end but this is okay. kind of like a personal question too because um as i've done things like this but I, so what is the difference? Like, let's let's try to define this as best as we can okay. between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. And so like when I say full honesty, I gave because these are hard questions. I gave these questions to Andrea in advance. So I like put examples. <laughs> so like braids, acrylics, dashikis, clothing. So uh, like, where is the line drawn? Because I've had acrylics and I loved having them. But like, then it's like, what I literally thought when I was getting them, I'm like, is this problematic of me? Like, so I just have that thought running through my mind, because there are lots of beautiful things that I love. But I'm like, is that for me? Or can I participate in that? You know? Yeah. Um, I think for me that the line between appropriation and appreciation, right? For me, appropriation is just like pulling. It's like it's like being at a buffet and just picking the things that you like out of an entire thing, um, or like going to like a, an entire buffet but only getting like one thing or like a handful of things, but not sampling from all of it or not knowing where any of it is coming from, right? Um, you know, it's the idea of like cornrows and you know, in the black community, they're called cornrows. Um, white people call them boxer braids, um, or whatever. Um, and so I, that's, and we see, and you, you guys have been around, you know, every Halloween or during the like fall festival season, like those, those things come up of like a per, this is, a you know, my culture is not a costume bit. Right. And so like it, you kind of can tell what those things look like when it comes to the idea of what appreciation is. And my experience is that think of it, appreciation is more of an exchange, um, right? Um, and that exchange means like, again, and I, you've heard me say this word a lot, but it's a dialogue. It is be, it's knowing where it comes from, respecting that tradition, um, and using the right context uh, for that to occur, right? Um, for example, I was, um, my one of my best good friends got married a month ago, um, and we all got Mindy. 
Um, I would probably not normally get Mindy, but I was like, all right. And she's married. You know, she, it was a big Indian wedding. And I was like, let's go ahead and do that. But I also recognized the history behind that and the like, you know, the cultural um, like meaning all of all behind that. And it, it's more of an exchange. And you know, she it, she's marrying an Indian man. She is East Texas and Jewish. Um, and oh. Oh, we. Oh no, we had a good time trying to figure all like her watching her figure all of it out. Um, but it's finding the ways to like negotiate all of those cultures um, and getting the so that and knowing that everything is done with intentionality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and think of appropriation as copying it or caricaturizing it, if you will, right? Um, you know, Tom, you mentioned that you wear acrylics and they are when you wear when you have them, they are absolutely beautiful. Um, sometimes that can be in some cases that can I really when you wear it, I always think of it as more of an appreciation, right? Mm-hmm. It's an exchange. Um, but like when we think about it on a larger scale, um, you know, when we think about appropriation, we can think about that in terms of like, if if it exists in a culture and you don't know the background for it, then it's probably that, right? right. Um, I, I remember seeing a picture of Kim Kardashian West, um, and she had like boxer braids or whatever, or like but what she, she called boxer braids. braids. Yeah, um, and that's legit appropriation. Um, so think about the like connotations of some of those things. Now, this is not to say that like you can never, you know, if if you are in some place and you can never ever wear hoop earrings for the rest of your life. No, you can totally wear hoop earrings. It's fine. Um, but also be, it's the idea of also being reflexive of like, do I know where the origin is or do I know the backing of this is or, or you know, or whatever, or am I, am I out way out of pocket for that? Right. Um, and so it's, it's all about the idea of context and, um, being in dialogue with it and knowing the meaning behind some of those things. Right. If you're going, like, we always see festival pictures every year, like at Coachella where mm-hmm. like, you know, we see girls wearing like giant Indian headdresses appropriation um or like if you have if you're a white girl and you have like baby hairs that are like completely slick, slick down with designs appropriation um when we think about it in terms of like appreciation right um i can talk about myself being a black woman going to a wedding um that is indian and being able to like participate in those traditions wearing the dress because i'm asked to and but also knowing that all of those things are very important to me um i am also of mixed uh heritage i am black and japanese um and so on whenever i when my grandmother was alive and we were participating in some rituals right it i i recognize that even though i was a person of color whenever i participate in some of those things like it is a cultural exchange um because of that because i know the meaning behind all of these things i also know the context i'm not just going to some club wearing a kimono um, just because, and like it, as a costuming situation, it is more of like, I recognize this as an, as a part of who I am. Um, sorry, does that make sense? I, I went yeah, on a tangent. No, I think, <laughs> I think that definitely like helped give a lot more context to me and hopefully a lot of our listeners too. Yeah. Um, so this is like kind of our final question ish. I feel like we've been answering it through like most of what we've discussed. I think a lot, we touched yeah. a lot of things, but like, how do we become better allies? When do we speak and when do we listen? We covered that like right at the beginning. And so this question is kind of more for me and Tiffany. So how do me and Tiffany as white, both cis people use our mostly white, like how do we use our platform as who we are and with a mostly probably white listenership, how do we open up ears and eyes as white people to like see these things going on? Oh, totally. Um, I like it. And I'll touch a little bit about what I said earlier about what it means to be a better, a good ally is to like, listen, and then defend, if you will. I think um, there's, I use lots of references, but I saw on Twitter, I guess that like, 
um, this group of like hunters in Africa were mauled to death by they they were hunting hunting rhinos, um, and they were mauled to death by like a pack of lions. And somebody put that's that, that's allyship. That's legit. Um, this is not to say that you need to be if you're going to be a good ally, you need to maul people to death. You don't. I'm using this as an example to say that like if you see somebody who is in an underserved group that is being that is being threatened. Use your privilege and use your space to offer them space or to protect them um, in those moments, right? Um, I see this whenever I go to marches because um, they ask people, they're like, if you're a doctor, when you go to a march, wear your scrubs. If, you, or if you're a police officer, wear your, you know, wear your uniform. If you're a teacher, wear what you work so that people can see where these people are coming from um, and offer the space to use your privilege to offer space for other underserved groups to kind of speak. Right. And I think you guys do such a good job um, in the beginning and it's part in, in the beginning to like keep dialogue open, having people, folks like myself come up here and have people with different uh, backgrounds are great to like keep that conversation and that dialogue open. Uh, but it's also if you, if when it's just, when you know that you're in a white space and you're trying to talk about things about race and culture, it takes zero dollars and zero cents to be self-reflexive. Um, and what I mean by being self-reflexive is knowing that you, here's who you know who you are as a person. Also know and acknowledge that other people have different experiences and different ideas and different backgrounds and may see the world differently. But also know that like having dialogue or keeping in conversation with all of those people and all of those things makes for a better allyship and makes for a better for at least, at least in my experience, a better listenership, right? And you know, Tom, I really think you and Tiffany do such a do a really good job of being so very self-reflexive. Like that's really that's seventy percent of the battle um, here. And also, and having a, listen, I'll help you do some of your promotion. Also, having a Facebook page, uh, <laughs> wonderful um, for people to kind of have those conversations as well, like to keep that going, right? Because um, maybe what the great thing about the world that we live in is that even if you li are surrounding yourself, if you happen to be surrounded by only one race or only one gender or only one sexuality, uh, you can go online and find the diversity there. You can go online and find those experiences there and listen first before you speak, right? Um, and watch those conversations kind of grow. Um, and so I think that that is a way to kind of also do that um, and for you guys. Um, but I also think to the larger, like, as we continue on with our with drag race and we continue on with our experiences um, within the drag world that like, listen to underserved groups and let us continue to listen to each other. Yes, it is a television show. And yes, it is about our escapism. And sometimes like that's all like the world is so wild right now. All you need is something pretty uh, that throws a little bit of shade in front of you that can lip sync its ass off. That's all you want during the day. But also know that that is also coming that, that that's coming from real human beings who are going through the same shit that you're going through, too. Um, and that to be a little bit empathetic to that and those people's experiences goes a long way. So I don't, again, I went on a tangent, but I really think you guys are doing a, a bang up job. Um, but it's really about self-reflexivity. Well, I feel like that kind of brings us to the end of everything. Andrea, thank you so much for like talking with me and hanging out with me. And it was so, this is our first time ever like Skyping and talking in real time. So it's really kind of like cool for us to talk to no, you. It's so great. Yeah. I was like, we were just joking earlier where I was like, it's different to like talk to you for like a long period of time as opposed to like 10 seconds. Um, so
So this is really great. Yeah. So as Andrea said before, we are on all social media. It's all linked in the description boxes below. You can click it. It's so much easier than me trying to like list it all out for you. It's exhausting. Uh, we also have an email, itbearsrepeatingpod at gmail.com. You can email us with anything. If you have any questions for Andrea, feel free them to send them our way, and we can definitely get that to her. If she can answer it for you, we'll, we will play the middleman if we want to. Andrea, do you want to plug anything? Do you want to do, do is, that, is there anything that you want to shout out? Oh, totally. Um, I, there's a, a, plug, a couple plugs and a couple okay. shout outs. Um, um, if you enjoy me retweeting lots of things, um, I'm pretty boring on Twitter, but it's great on Instagram. Um, I have <laughs> the same thing. I, it really is. I'm, I should be much better at it. Uh, but my um, Twitter handle is McBeaster2. Um, I don't want, it's my high school nickname. I don't want to go into the story. <laughs> I should do better being a professional. Um, but it's spelled M C B E E S T E R number two um and that's me on instagram and on um uh, twitter. twitter um and i also want to give a shout out to um my i want to give a shout out to all the honeys and i also want to give a shout out to um my students um and because there are lots of them who are listening in the greater houston area and across the country um who really love the show and also have these conversations with me in their offices in my office and also everything i do is really for them i know i sound like a cheesy ass teacher um but i really do love them tom they're really good people so um and that's it um, and, to my, and to my sister, I love you, Alyssa. Oh, okay. well, again, thank you so much, Andrea. This wraps up this episode of It Bears Repeating. We love you so much. We will see you next, well, I'll see you next time, Andrea. Clearly, you can come in anytime you want. We figured out Yay! how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.